Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of how to detect when something is fishy. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel, dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, this is going to be a talk in the category of clear thinking. More and more I want to add that category label to my podcast episodes because I talk about so many different things. And some things we're going to talk about more than once. Clear thinking is maybe the most important of them or one of the most important because so many of the world's problems are due to muddled thinking, not thinking things through well, uh, and also not having a sound basis in ethics, one's actions. If everyone were to have sound ethical beliefs, whether they come from religion, whether they come from a belief in basic human rights, whether they come from spiritual perceptions or, or, or philosophy, if you don't have sound ethics, you can easily go astray. And we see so many examples of that these days. But you can have sound ethics and just not be a clear thinker. You can also go astray. More and more, I'm going to talk about the unification of certain areas such as this. Sound ethical basis, but also clear thinking, how important it is to not just have one or the other, but to have both. And in conjunction with certain other factors as well. But it's such a huge topic that I can't deal with it in, in even 10 episodes. Uh, maybe someday I'll write a big book about these things, but it's easier to get a lot of information out speaking. In any case, how to detect when something is fishy? Well, let me start by saying humanity has really disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't want me even when as a young kid when I saw but most everybody smoking I thought what's the matter with these people why are they polluting their lungs with it? I mean <laughs> and this is back in the 60s and then they had a doctor's campaign that is a campaign to convince people not to smoke a hundred thousand doctors have quit smoking when will you stop so a big black and white poster and I thought as a 10 year old dumb as I was I guess at that age oh good in five or ten years nobody will smoke anymore well gee I was wrong there but at least after decades more and more people catch on that it's not a good idea to pay money for some kind of substance that doesn't nourish you but can only harm you okay sure maybe you're mentally a bit more awake or whatever smokers however they justify their addiction but it can't be good for in long run. People knew it back then, they know it now, and yet still some people do it. I knew humanity was kind of dumb and uh, undisciplined. I knew it even when I was a kid. But nonetheless, what I've seen in the last few years just surpasses even my most misanthropic views of, of the average human being. And being a philosopher, I state my conclusions and I say what I think. And this is important because some don't do that. I could give you an example. Professors who teach universities, but they don't really give their opinions because it might not be politically correct and they might get kicked out of the university. That's, for me, not a real philosopher. Maybe the guy is brilliant teaching the history of philosophy, but a real philosopher will say what he will think things through from all different angles 
And you'll come to a conclusion that he recognizes as probably tentative. Maybe he has to change that conclusion. But in, until now, what I've concluded is this or this, and he'll say it. And he'll give his reasoning above all so other people can follow and learn how to think clearly. And so often today we have people, even they call, you know, I, I never study philosophy. I'm not saying I'm a PhD. I don't have any, did I even take a formal philosophy course in college? I don't even remember that. Maybe one. Maybe philosophy 101. But I learned a lot about it because I read, well, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, Boethius, <laughs> David Hume in more modern times, St. Augustine, well, a whole lot, right? Uh, my conclusion there is if so many contradict each other, they can't all be right, but they could all be wrong. I'm going to think for myself. That's why this is called the path, not the path of Nietzsche, not the path of David Hume, not the path of Plato. It's called the path of Socrates. Socrates didn't write any books on philosophy. He didn't have a system. This is my Socratic system. No, he didn't have that. He just constantly questioned. He arrived at certain conclusions for now, but he always knew, well, I'm going to question my own conclusions. I was always on the path of Socrates and always will be. And I think that's the best path. For that reason, he, for me, the philosopher is not like they said in the Middle Ages, Aristotle, although he was a brilliant genius, of course, in so many areas. For me, though, in philosophy specifically, it's Socrates, because he was always questioning, you know, making sounder judgments, therefore avoiding superficiality, da da da, right? not naively accepting what others once has believed, that whole thing. That's the path of Socrates. Now, to get back to the clear thinking here. How can you tell if something is fishy? Let me give you an example so you understand this fully. Imagine the situation. I might have done this in a past episode. I'll do it again. There's an apartment building in some city, let's say Chicago. And neighbors call up because they think they heard a gunshot. The police arrive. Yes, there's a dead man there with a bullet in his head, in the back of his head. And they have no idea who did it. Okay. This is, you know, not all that uncommon in a city like Chicago, Baltimore, you know, a lot of cities in America. These things happen, right? But they're investigating it. And then they discover through some kind of outside camera or whatever, oh, look, people coming and entering. But let's examine each person. Oh, yeah, that person lives there. That person, there was the milkman who, well, milkmen don't exist anymore, I know, but I'm an old guy. <laughs> uh, somebody delivering a package. But then somebody coming out, oh, who's that guy? Oh, and they, they do facial recognition software and all that. Oh, oh, wait a minute. He's connected to the Detroit mob, and he was, he was suspected of murdering at least 10 other people. We could never nail him, and he's coming out of that building, and he's walking out, look at this, walking out two minutes after that shot was heard. Oh, wow. Now, if you're a clear thinker, my friends, <laughs> and you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes, don't even have to be Lieutenant Columbo. If you're a clear thinker, you're going to say, this is the guy that we have to make suspect number one, right? Because he was suspected of being, or he is suspected of being a mafia hitman. And he's coming out of the building a few minutes after the fatal shot was fired. And we don't have any other suspects. So, hey, uh, let's, let's suppose that, well, let's put him number one on our list. Now, is this proof that he did it? No. As a matter of fact, you pick him up for questioning. He says, no, what are you saying? I was visiting my old grandmother in that building. My grandmother lives in that building. And you check it. And really, his grandmother lives in that building. Does that mean he didn't do it? No. His lawyers, oh, a lawyer. Oh, my God, there could be sleazy creatures. And, you know, my, my parents and other people thought that I could be a really brilliant lawyer because of the way my mind works. But I wouldn't want to do it because if you're a lawyer defending your client, you can't just come out and tell what you think is the truth. You want to 
hide certain truths because you want to get your client off. And I'm not that way. If I think my client is guilty of sin, I want to see him in prison. So I couldn't be a lawyer. It wouldn't be ethical to defend somebody that I'm not going to defend well because I want to see him in prison. So ethically speaking, I could not be a lawyer. Uh, and I know there are a lot of good attorneys out there. Look up Thomas Renz, R-E-N-Z, for example, the great work he's doing. Look up David Martin, David E. Martin, for example, the great work he's doing and see in what areas they're working. Look up Rainer Fulmich, German. Uh, uh, look up these people and you'll see what I mean by what I consider really heroic, not just good, but heroic lawyers. There are good attorneys out there. But uh, as I said, I wouldn't want to be defending somebody that I suspect, well, he's guilty of sin, but it's my job to defend him and it is your job to defend him. I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not going to use my mental abilities to work towards getting people off for a guilty of sin. Not going to do it. And if I were a prosecutor, I wouldn't want to do that either because maybe my boss tells me, the DA says, you have to prosecute. I say, well, I don't think he's really guilty. No, we think he is. You have to prosecute and then also have to try to hide the truth in, in to a certain degree because they're always twisting the words around, you know, how lawyers work. And I don't want to do that. I come out and I say what I think and I give my reasoning for it. If I'm wrong, people can tell me. And if they're right and I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I'll say, yep, I was a fool. I didn't see this or that. But we have so little honesty in that respect these days. And uh, so I just consider myself a philosopher, though I never studied it. Study some music and other things, or, but, but, not, but not philosophy. But that's what I am most of all. Now get back to the clear thinking, because I hope you at least would like to be on this path as well. Once again, you see the mafia hitman coming out. Now, he said he was visiting his grandmother. And his grandmother lives there, and he was at her house. But that doesn't mean that he didn't kill that person. Suppose, for example, there's a mafia contract. For example, you find out that this person who was murdered owed the Detroit mob $100,000 in gambling debts. Ooh, wow. And then he's shot in the head, and coming out of the building a few minutes later is a suspected mafia hitman from the Detroit mob. Well, gee, then you might think, well, even if he was visiting his grandmother, couldn't he have... Uh, combined business with pleasure. Well, my grandma, what a coincidence, he says. I have to knock off this guy and he just happens to live in the same place as my grandma. I'll visit grandma and I'll tell him that that's why I was there and they'll never think that I killed him then. Huh, you see how that works? In other words, you have to keep digging. You have to keep digging as a detective. You can't just say, imagine a foolish detective. Well, well, Lieutenant Colombo, just because the guy suspected mafia hitman doesn't mean that he killed that person. Anybody, the old lady next door could have killed him. You know, you don't know. And wouldn't that be a fool? You have to say, well, we don't know that that guy murdered him, the mafia hitman. But considering the fact that he's a suspected mafia hitman in 10 other cases, though we couldn't pin it on him, and he's coming out of the building two minutes after a fatal shot to the back of the head was fired, uh, he should be number one on our list, and we should keep asking questions and keep investigating along this line while keeping our minds open for other possibilities. You see how that works. In other words, the detective says, yes, it must have been this mafia hitman because he owes so much money to the mob. Well, suppose that guy, though, just happens to have a girlfriend who's more of the violent nature. She wanted to marry this guy, and he kept not only saying, well, let's maybe next year, but he was also cheating on her. And she knew he owed money to the mob. <laughs> and she knew that there was an old lady there who had a grandson who was in the Detroit Mafia, and he just asked me coming to town this week. Maybe, just just maybe, she thought, what a perfect time to put a bullet in the head of that son of a bitch that won't marry me. Because they're going to blame the Mafia hitman. You see, we've seen, haven't you seen enough TV to know that these things? 
<laughs> happen not only on TV, but they can happen in real life too. Now, if given two such suspects as detective, I'd say it was probably the mafia hitman because most girlfriends don't shoot their boyfriends no matter what they do in the back of the head. But hitmen do that all the time because they're hitmen, right? So common sense – and well, I want com what does common sense mean? Knowing about human beings, knowing about history, knowing about psychology, knowing about how human beings operate, not having been born yesterday, I would say the hitman is suspect number one. But the girlfriend who had been heard having really loud, violent arguments with him, well, she's suspect number two. You see how that works. But in any case, you must follow all paths now. Let, I, I think you agree with me everything I said so far, right? This is – so we call it – I know you, if you say it's common sense, oh, yeah, but common sense isn't so common or common sense is all too common. All these stupid little things come, come with. We can call it common sense. We can call it just clear thinking, right, based on probabilities. Once again, if you just saw the film with the hitman coming out of the building, that's not proof that he killed that person. That is not proof. But it's enough evidence to suggest that we have to investigate this line further. Okay. Now you're prepared for what's coming. The things we've seen in the last few years. Let's start with the election fraud in 2020, right? We're supposed to believe, you listen to the left, you listen to Democrats. What, you said was fraud? You must be a terrorist. I mean, really? Really? Anybody that could follow these people at all when they act like that has to be semi-insane or totally hypnotized, totally brainwashed. And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. In the summer of 2020, before the election, my wife and I, she liked to watch Tucker Carlson, I watched him, really good to listen to. I think he's really fair. Some say, oh, he's he's so right-wing, so right-wing. And these people, and one time someone said that he's so right-wing. said, what did he say to so right-wing? She didn't know what to say because she never listened to him. The fool, I could name her, but I won't. <laughs> the fool thinks Tucker Carlson is like a Nazi. She couldn't tell me a single Nazi-like thing he said, and it was obvious to me she never listened to him. She just believes the left, oh, he's, he's right-wing, he's like Trump, he's like a Nazi. That's how stupid people are. And yes, the word stupid is totally appropriate. Not that she has a very low IQ. I don't mean that. But another definition of stupid is lacking common sense and good judgment, and that's practically a, <laughs> a classic case of it, right? You say, oh, he's like a Nazi, and then somebody says, well, what did he say? It's like a Nazi, and you can't name a single thing? You are a total fool, woman, if you're listening to me. You know you know who you are. She's probably not listening to me anyway, but she is. I still haven't gotten an apology from her because I think she's starting to wake up. Uh, boy, but if I made a list of all the people that owe me an apology, and that are, they may not realize it yet, but they will. And then we'll see how many of these people I knew, some of them being friends, how many really have integrity. Because if I treated them the way they treated me, and I, I turned out to be wrong, I would send them an apology that you wouldn't believe. A profuse apology, let me tell you. And if they do it, everything's forgiven, because I, I really value people that are honest and good enough and have enough integrity to recognize that they were wrong and apologize. Not that I need their apology, you understand. It's not a question of pride. But I would be so happy to see that they've woken up and, and that the people that I considered friends and in a way still do, but they have enough integrity. The integrity that, I won't say that I have, that I'm something special, but that any decent person should have. If they don't have that integrity, I don't want to be their friends. I'll, I'll be talking more about this in the future too. But once again, back to say July of 2020. We've been watching Terry Cross and they showed some of the, the rallies. Now, if you saw like Joe Biden's rallies on CNN, you saw the camera a few meters in front of him and you saw him, candidate Biden, talking. If you watch those very same rallies 
excerpts from Fox News. There was one they had when they when they displayed this. When CNN, they showed just Biden. You only saw him. When Fox, they showed the entire venue there. Guess how many people were there? Twelve. Yes, you heard that right. I don't mean twelve hundred. I mean twelve people. They didn't want to show that on CNN. <laughs> Biden, Biden. I think that was the lowest number he had. To be fair, that's the lowest I counted. But there was another where there was like twenty-five. The average number of people at the Biden rallies in the summer of twenty twenty, well, pre-campaign, because also at the beginning of the fall, the, the the average number of people at Biden rallies, at each rally, was thirty-eight people. The average number at Trump rallies was over thirteen thousand. In case you think you misheard that, <laughs> the average number of people at Biden rallies was thirty-eight. The average number of people at Trump rallies was over 13,000. So in the summer of 2020, when my wife asked me, do you think Biden could win? I said something very clear. I said, if he wins, it's because of election fraud, because nobody that has so few people at his rallies is going to beat somebody who has so many people. This cannot happen. The odds of this are one in a million. This will not happen. This cannot happen. You see, now, could I say 100%? I'd never say 100%. But you notice I said one in a million. I don't know whether it's one in a million, one in 10 million, one in 100,000. In any case, it's so unlikely that you can rule it out. But now we go to post-election day, and we see, in quotes, that not only did Biden win, <laughs> supposedly, but he won with more votes than anybody in all of American presidential election history. Did you hear what I just said? I want you to think about it. Some people hear, but they don't really listen. Joseph Biden supposedly won with 81 million votes. To put that in perspective, Donald Trump, that was attracting over 13,000 people per rally, had 75 million votes, which without Biden's count, that, would be, that itself would be a record. And forget that what I would consider a fact that many of those Trump votes were destroyed in the polling place. Let's assume he really only had 75 million. That's more than anybody in history, except for his opponent who only had 38 people's rallies, but miraculously got more votes than anybody in American history. He got more votes than, than Obama in 2008. Do you remember how popular Obama was in 2008? You know, when he ran the first time, he got 68 million votes. But Joseph Robinette Biden got 13 million more votes than Obama. Now, who do you think was the more popular candidate? <laughs> Obama in 2008 or, or Biden in, in, in 2020? With that information alone, remember the apartment building with the mafia guy coming out? Imagine the mafia guy coming out and, yeah, your stupid partner, if you're a detective, says, oh, no, but that doesn't mean that, that the mafia person killed him. That, that, that. He'd have to be a total fool, right? Now, let me say, if you know that Biden was getting 38 people at his rallies, Trump over 13,000. If you know that then Biden supposedly got more votes than anybody in history, and you believe that, you're a total fool. You're a total fool. I'm sorry, people. You're a total fool if you believe that. Why? Is that definite proof that that didn't happen? No, because somebody could say, well, as a matter of fact, a Harvard an ex-Harvard professor of statistics, some guy who's retired, 
studying the 2020 election, and not just that, but all the other factors involved, all the, all the fraud, all the tricks that we're using, he came up with this number. The, he said the probability that Biden won fair and square was one in one, approximately one in one quadrillion. One in one quadrillion. Well, that surpasses, I came up with one in a trillion, <laughs> to, to be honest. I thought it's like one in a trillion, but no, it was, it was, it was a thousand times less likely than I, even I thought. But even if you don't know that, my point is, you see these rallies to say, well, how many people really at there? Maybe you didn't know how, how few were there. That was term. Maybe you didn't know at that time. Maybe you didn't see on Fox News that sometimes they had like 12 or 15 people's rallies. And Trump had that. Maybe you didn't see that because you're watching CNN. In that case, you were deceived. But nonetheless, nonetheless, knowing how popular Trump is among the great segment of the population, to think that Biden, who in the Democratic primary in 2016, in the Democratic primary, only got 2% of the vote, as I recall, that's when Hillary Clinton took it, right? He only got 2% of the vote, a Democrat and a Democrat only gets 2%. And Kamala Harris in the 2020 primary, she had to drop out too. She only got 1% of the vote, as I recall. And yet these two people supposedly get more votes than any, than any candidates in American presidential history. Don't you think something's fishy there? <laughs> now, I don't care if your IQ is, you know, like off the charts 180 or if it's only 80. If you have any common sense whatsoever, <laughs> you're going to laugh at that when you see Biden supposedly got 81 million votes. And that's not, you know, in this episode, I'm not going to go into all the evidence of election fraud because this episode is not about election fraud. This is one of three things we're going to mention. The other is going to be shorter. But to think that somebody who had so few people at his rallies, somebody who was old, who seemed senile, who was never really popular even as a Democratic, you know, presidential candidate, and his running mate, who was even less popular, to think that they're going to get off the charts numbers, 81 million votes, and to think, and then to say, like so many who vote Democrat, oh, no, nothing to see here, there is no fraud. At the very least, just like with the hitman coming out of the building, at the very least you should think, shouldn't we investigate this more? I mean, uh, this is a little suspicious. Even without looking at all the tricks they used to steal the election, even without looking at that, just the fact that some guy who, at one rally got 12 people, another got like 28 people. He had an average of only, sometimes he got 100, a few hundred, but he had an average of 38 people. His, his opponent had over 13,000. And yet supposedly, he and his unpopular vice presidential candidate have managed to get 13 million more votes than Obama in 2008. Anybody who takes that at face value is a fool. And that's before you look at the specific evidence. You see what I mean? I'm not saying that just because of that we can declare the election invalid. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that should then be investigated. And and here, so that's the, the, the red flag number one. That's a huge, huge red flag. First of all, well, you, let's just call that one big, huge red flag, that anybody should be suspicious and think, oh, this is something fishy. But now, now we'll get into something else as far as the fishiness is concerned. Now, the Democrats, suppose, I know people say, hey, there's nothing no election fraud. He won fair and square. But when you see the country is torn apart because a good portion think that there is fraud and they say they have evidence, and like I said, common sense shows that something's really fishy there. And this is something I'm going to be stressing again and again. You have to learn to think like the other side. Learn to think like the other side. I don't mean agree with them necessarily. 
But if I were a Democrat that believed that Joseph Robinette Biden won the election fair and square, the last thing I would be doing is avoiding debate on the issue. Did you get that? The last thing I would be doing is avoiding debate, but that's what they were doing. For example, when the Trump people say, we need forensic audits, you know what I would say? If I believed Biden won, I'd say, yes, you are right. You fools don't believe us. You say there was election fraud and everything. No, no, we know that Biden won fair and square. So yes, we welcome the opportunity for forensic audits. That's what I would do. But with Arizona with a forensic audit, guess what? The Democrats sent a team of, I think it was 100 lawyers to Arizona to try to block the forensic audits. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Imagine now, to get back to our police analogy, if you, the good Lieutenant Colombo, whatever your name is, you want to investigate this mafia hit, mafia hitman. You think he's the main suspect. But your captain says, no, no, there's nothing to see there. Now, he couldn't have done it. Uh, cross him off your list, Colombo. He is not the... He's, and then and then you, you still continue. He gets mad at you. And then the police chief says, hey, Lieutenant Colombo, what are you doing? Investigating this mafia hitman. He's not responsible. Well, why not? Say, hey, you shut up. I'm telling you, he's not responsible. Don't go down that line. What are you going to think? Well, I'll tell you what I would think. I would think these guys are corrupt. They've been paying off by the mafia. Why would they not want me to investigate this? <laughs> call it common sense. I wouldn't even call it intuitive. You don't have to be intuitive to think this. You just have to know human nature. And you have to have not been born yesterday. In other words, you have to be not stupid and you already see these things. I would think, what's going on here? There's a mafia hitman coming up the building and, and my captain and my police chief don't want me to investigate it. I would think I'm going to investigate them for corruption because there's something fishy here. And yet what were Democrats doing when the Trump people were saying we want forensic audits? They're doing everything they could to block those audits. Anybody who would talk about election fraud, possible election fraud, they would say, there's a they're a terrorist. What are they doing? They're trying they'll try to overturn the Constitution. Well, if I were one of them that and they don't really believe there's no fraud. Oh, believe me. Because if they believed there were no fraud, they would say, oh, what are you saying, Giuliani, whatever? You say there was fraud? Well, I know there was no fraud. Let's have a debate on CNN. You present your evidence, and I'll present the evidence, and we'll see. Not a single one did that. Why not? Because they're afraid of those debates. Because they know there was fraud, because they helped set it up. Now, do you have to be a genius to come to that conclusion? No, my friends. You have to just be an, a clear thinker. I don't care whether your IQ is 180 or just 80, like I said. There's I know people that don't have high IQs. They're just average, maybe below average, but they weren't born yesterday. And that gets a subject they'll also be talking about more. People stress intelligence. Oh, this person's a whatever. He's so intelligent, and so he knows things. But no, he might be a total fool because you see, there are two scales that are important to judge the, I'll say, the mental consciousness level of a human being. One is, okay, intelligence, then not so intelligent. But another is wisdom and foolishness. I've known people that were highly intelligent. I don't know what their IQs were, but they might well have been higher than mine. I wouldn't be surprised at all, but they were total fools or partial fools. Because that other scale, you can have a just average intelligence but you can be a wise person. I won't get into what exactly wisdom is. I want you to think about it first. Because see, what intelligence is, say, well, prob problem solving, you know, a capacity to solve problems, for example, right? The typical intelligence test is things they give you to solve problems and to think around the corner and such things, right? Wisdom is a different thing. And the lack of intelligence might mean you're not so quick solving certain problems. But that doesn't mean you're a fool. 
That doesn't mean when you see the cartel hitman coming out of a building and inside is are two dead bodies with bullets in their head. It doesn't doesn't mean you go say, oh, I don't know who did it. Uh, no, you're going to say, well, probably that cartel hitman did it, right? You're, because you're not a fool. Even though you're not especially intelligent, but you're not a fool. And yet we see people, that's why I use the term often, fools or liars. Because among the Democrats or among leftists, people who hate Trump and, and just want anybody but Trump, you have two groups. You have fools and liars. I'll repeat that. You only have two, you really only have two groups. Am I making a logical error here? I don't think so. Let me explain. There's some people among Democrats and others, they realize election is stolen, but they don't want to admit it because they hate Trump. So they think, one woman even told me, I don't care if there was fraud as long as Trump doesn't win. In other words, what she was really admitting without her being aware of it. She's really like a fascist or a communist. In other words, I don't care if we have fraudulent elections. As long as the person I want gets into office and the person I would like as long as he's not there anymore. I mean, think of what that means really, what she was saying. And not that she's, she's a good person actually. I know her well. But what she was saying was basically an admission, subconscious, that she's like a totalitarian and doesn't believe in the Constitution and doesn't believe in fairness and elections or anything, doesn't believe in democracy. These people who say such things, I don't care if there was for as long as Trump is president, they're saying they don't believe in democracy. Now, you can make a good argument against democracy. I'm going to be doing that in my podcast episodes too, because I think you should always think both sides of the issue. But, but think about that. So there's some people like that who, uh, well, she's in, I say, category of fool. She doesn't realize what she's saying. At the same time, when she says there was no fraud at the beginning, she was being a liar. Because first, oh no, there was no fraud. But then, what I convinced her was, well, even if there was, I don't care. You know, so it's like both sides of that uh, negative coin. But some people, Democrat politicians, they know there was fraud, but they're saying there wasn't. But then they block all attempts for forensic audits, for debates on the issue. No, if you talk about fraud, you're a terrorist. Well, if that isn't fishy, I don't know what. It, if you don't see there's something fishy there, you're a total fool. The people that are doing that, that know there is fraud, these are liars. And the others, the, the sheep, the sheeple out there, they think, oh, well, Nancy Pelosi says there's no fraud, and I voted for her, so I guess there's no fraud. You're a total fool, simply. And there's no other possibility. Because the evidence for the fraud, I didn't even get into the real evidence, it is so massive. At the very least, it should be investigated. And if they're blocking investigations, they know why they're blocking it. They know why they're blocking it, because... They either know or highly suspect there was fraud. Is that that difficult to, uh, conclusion to come to? Is it difficult to come to conclusion that if a guy got 38 people at an average rally and the other got 13,000, but then that one that had 38 wins by a, a landslide, basically, with 81 million votes more than anybody in history, 13 million more than Obama in 2008, if you, if you accept that narrative, you're a total fool without even looking at the concrete evidence of tricks they use for the fraud. Is that clear now? Is this virtuoso display of clear thinking? Is that sunk in? And I say that jokingly, because to come to that conclusion, you don't have to be any kind of high IQ genius. You just have to think clearly and look at, look. it's, you know, the story of the emperor's new clothes, Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, these, these, these crooked tailors, we're going to make you clothes that are so fine, they're spun with gold, that the thread is so fine, it's hardly detectable, and you're going to have the most brilliant uh, royal vestments in all of history. They're telling the king that. And the king believed it. 
And when he went out for his parade or whatever, parading through the streets, all the people, they had heard that rumor. Oh, he's going to have to find his clothes. I said, look at those beautiful clothes. Until one little kid said, wait a minute, what are you saying? The guy's naked. Yeah, that, that gold cloth they were the weaving was so fine you can't see it. In other words, they were crooks, but the sheeple didn't see it. They were brainwashed because they had heard, and this is an important point, they had heard again and again, the emperor, whoever it was, yeah, I think it was emperor's new clothes, right? Not just the king. The emperor, he's going to be coming out next week. It's going to be the finest clothes, and they all believed it because they heard it a thousand times. This is called mass hypnosis, my friends. I know a thing or two about that. This is called mass hypnosis. If you hear something again and again and again, you believe it. So if you watch CNN again and again, oh, Trump Trump believes there's election fraud. You notice they didn't say Trump and tens of millions of other Americans. They always say Trump's baseless claims of election fraud. It was always just Trump. So people think, oh, it's only that Trump. No, it wasn't. It was tens of millions of people and hundreds of millions worldwide. And the evidence was overwhelming, but they didn't say that. And so the stupid sheeple out there because, well, I watch CNN, and that's a reliable source of news. And if they say it's only Trump, I guess it's only Trump. And obviously, he lost the election because I don't like him anyway. Uh, that, uh, really, really. That's how stupid the masses are. And I know people who are highly intelligent, and they're total fools. As, at least in this. and other things, they might be very wise because, once again, the world is not black and white, despite what <laughs> – uh, Black Lives Matter might, might, might tell as far as race is concerned, you know, the blacks against the whites, which is a stupid narrative anyway. We're all human beings, and we should judge human beings on not on the color of their skin. Martin Luther King said it. Any wise person has always said it in history, and that's just the way it is, let's face it. But uh, it, it, the world's not black and white in that if you're wise, you're wise in everything. And a confession, when I look at the past, before I was married in the years, some of the some of the relationships I had, nobody listening now so I can say it, but when I was young, oh my God, you know, but foolish decisions in regard to like romantic relationships, yes, I made some foolish, I was a fool <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> and I was more foolish than some of my friends who are now foolish with the either vaccines or the fraud, but back then I was the fool. The difference being that if you're a fool in your romantic life and you go down some wrong paths, big deal. But if you're fooling this and you're empowering the people who would steal elections and murder people through vaccines, then it is a really big deal. Then you're being a fool where wisdom is, is necessary, really necessary for humanity. So there is a difference there. You see what I mean? Now, I think as far as election fraud is concerned, it should be obvious that just with a little clear thinking, we know there was election fraud. Let's get to the idea of the vaccines now. What do we see here? We see, first of all, a scientific medical issue, right? We know in science that its debate is of the essence. In other words, debate belongs to science. I mean, it's part of science. It's part of scientific thinking. Since Francis Bacon, you know, when he formulated uh, how scientists should really think, this is 400 years ago, there's always been scientific debate. One scientist is one thing, has a new theory, and the others will oppose it at first, but they welcome debate. A true scientist always welcomes debate because there are two possibilities if you have a theory. Either you're right or you're wrong. If you are right, you want debate because you want to then point out to the ones that are against you that they're wrong and that you are right, not because it's an ego thing if you're a true scientist, because then you've made a good discovery and you can contribute to the body of knowledge that is science. So you welcome debate, even if they're criticizing you, you want that criticism so that you can then come up with the evidence 
to combat that criticism, and in the end, you have shown that your theory was correct. And in the end, science wins. On the other hand, if you with your theory are wrong, you also want debate, because you don't want to go down a wrong path for the rest of your life and keep defending a theory that's ridiculous, as they do in many religions. I won't get into that now. No, you want the debate. You want people to criticize you, even if you're wrong, so that you know, oh, well, made a mistake there, but now I can throw that out the window, toss that, and get in and try to get back and to discover what's really the truth, right? This is basic to science, no matter what science is it. And in medical science, it's more important than in any other area. Why? Why? Well, because if it's some kind of mathematical theory and really advanced abstract mathematics and you're wrong, well, big deal. Because there's errors in mathematics that aren't used for any practical purpose anyway. So you're wrong, and okay, you take a blow to your ego. I can even mention a case like that, but I won't now. I won't get into it. It'd be too long. Uh, and and maybe your, your ego suffers a little because your great new theory or method or whatever doesn't work. But at least you know it doesn't work. And you can go on and try to get back on the path to what does work. And no, nobody really suffers from it, except you all the time you put into your theory that was wasted time. But in medicine, if they're wrong... This means people that are injured or dead. I mean, you think about that. You think about that. In other, like the black holes, the theory of black holes. Well, that was a big discovery when they finally could prove that black holes, as described, do exist. That was only about 20 some, maybe 30 years ago. I think when, 25 years ago, maybe, right? Before that, it was a theory, and that theory was attacked. I read an article in the 1990s attacking the theory of black holes. They couldn't be the singularity, and could, well, all the qualities of black holes said, no, it must be something else. Well, that critic was wrong, as it turned out. And he's probably happy that he knows he was wrong because now he knows more about the truth of black holes. That's what science does. But what did we see with the vaccines, the so-called vaccines? Just the fact that they call them vaccines, but they're really experimental drugs. And they weren't, and the RNA things weren't, weren't really vaccines in the common sense. What did we see? We did see, oh, not just anti-vaxxers, these religious fools or whatever. No, not just them. We saw people like Luc Montagnier, Dr. Luc Montagnier, Nobel Prize laureate Luc Montagnier, yes, the same one, who in 2008, in the area of virology, no less, viruses, won the Nobel Prize. And he was talking against these experimental drugs that were calling themselves vaccines. Was he embraced by the medical community at large and by the pharma industry? Yes, good, doctor. We want to hear your opinion too. Oh, no. He was marginalized. He was censored on Facebook and on Twitter and all. Oh, so I mentioned Michael Yeadon as well. Who is my, Dr. Michael Yeadon? Well, Dr. Michael Yeadon, about 12 years ago, I think he gave up that post then. He was the vice president of Pfizer Pharmaceutical, and he was their chief medical researcher. How many people know more about vaccines than somebody like that in the world? I, ex I expected 0.0001%, very, very few. One critic, one person I know said, oh, well, he hasn't worked for Pfizer in 10 years. He probably just doesn't know what's going on. Instead of actually reading the article that I've made public, uh, no, just, oh, uh, well, uh, no, he doesn't know what's going on. Well, <laughs> Dr. Eden has been working in medicine in these last 12 years, not with Pfizer, but with other institutions. But they have blocked him, too. But as a matter of fact, he's open to debate. Nobody wants to debate him. Nobody wants to look at the evidence. That's what, what woke me up. February 2021, 
almost two years ago, I read an article by him where he was pointing out the evidence that governments and scientists all over the world are lying about these so-called vaccines. And the article is there in the PDF that you can download at the link here. If you haven't seen it already, please do. The last link, free download a PDF with many links about the current COVID and vaccine, in quotes, situation. It's one of the first links there, Dr. Michael Yeadon. It was an, it's an article, but he's also done talks. Listen to him, read the articles, even when he, from over a year and a half ago. And you'll see that it was a very firm foundation. But I would put that up in in. YouTube and the YouTube censor, the face, the fact checkers would give me this warning. Oh, you better be careful what you put up. And others, instead of reading what I put up, they would just say, oh, well, he must be too old or he must be. No, he's not. Listen to him. Read him. Remember, this is about life and death. This is serious. And so when I saw at the beginning that scientists, even Nobel Prize winners, were being censored, they weren't being invited to debates. Once again, think like the other side. If you're totally pro-vax and you're convinced that these vaccines are really vaccines and they're really good, and these mRNA things, they're really, really, they're just the, the what do you say, the catch me owl, right? <laughs> like they used to say. They're just the best thing that we can imagine. And this is going to prevent COVID. Well, we know now it doesn't prevent COVID. Uh, we know you can still get COVID and you can still die. But they were telling us safe and effective. And you just need your... Back in the beginning, it was one vaccine, right? You just need your one shot, maybe two, and then you're fine. Then you're good to go for the rest of your life. But no, we know that was a lie, don't we? We know that was a lie now. Now they're saying, well, nobody ever said you can't get COVID with the vaccine. Many have said that, but, but there's proof they were saying, the same people were saying that two years ago, you get a vaccine, you won't get COVID. And now they're saying, oh, well, no, uh, we never said that you won't get COVID. Because they're just liars, these people. And that the sheep don't notice that because you can look it up, you can see what they said two years ago. One person put that up, like uh, like Rachel Maddow and, and these people that were saying two years ago, uh, you get a vaccine and then you're good, to, then you won't get COVID. And now she's saying, well, nobody ever said you wouldn't get COVID. Get a vaccine. These people are liars, and the proof is right there. And yet people don't look it up because I'm well. She's a leftist, and I'm a leftist too. So I guess she's always right, even if she totally contradicts herself. I, do these people think at all? I mean, I give talks on clear thinking, but sometimes I question whether they can really think at all. And some of these people in other areas can think very well. Some are highly intelligent. But the key there is that they've been, they don't realize it, but they've been hypnotized. I don't mean with a watch. Hypnosis I've gotten into in the past. I'll get into it more. Uh, some people would say brainwashed. Uh, I can explain this from so many different angles, and I will do so. But we're concentrating here on how to think clearly. All you have to do is have some kind of common sense and, and see what is obvious. Be the child in the mob when the emperor walks down the street naked. Don't be there, oh, look at his beautiful clothes. And they probably saw beautiful clothes because they're all like hypnotized by what they heard a hundred times. Oh, the emperor's coming. He's got a beautiful suit, a garment and gold. is going to be, and, they, and they saw it because they were hypnotized. It was mass hypnosis. But the little kid, he was like me, I guess, like certain others who were impervious to that. They just they judged by what they actually were seeing. And so many people aren't able to do that now. But with the vaccines, it's the same situation as with election fraud. There was evidence of vaccines. They weren't vaccines. They weren't good. The way they were being pushed on people was a violation of all 10 statutes of the Nuremberg Code as appertains to, to the use of experimental drugs. In other words, governments and scientists, doctors, if a doctor gave you a vaccine and did not inform you of all the possible side effects, he was committing a crime against humanity according to the Nuremberg Code. 
Did you hear what I just said? This is big. This is big. We're going to have trials in the future where they're going to be uh, comparing them to the Nuremberg trials. I don't know whether it's going to be in Nuremberg, Germany. Maybe they'll do that for symbolic reasons. I don't know. might be in some other city. I'd say probably will be another city, but we're going to have trials like that. And you got people saying, well, I just didn't know. But I, as the prosecutor, how I wish I'd studied law to get into this. I would be after these, <laughs> these criminals like you wouldn't believe. But I'm not a lawyer, so I can't do that. But I would say, oh, you say you didn't know. Were you listening to Luc Montagnier, Michael Eaton? Were you listening to these people? Were you accepting their challenges for a debate? Uh, were you criticizing Twitter and Facebook for banning them? In, in other words, were you being a scientist by encouraging scientific debate? Or were you closing your eyes to the situation, giving jabs without warning people of the side effects, and thereby harming and maybe even killing a few of the people you gave these jabs to? What were you doing? Because there's such a thing, even if people were largely stupid and unwitting, unwitting allies of the evil ones, there's such a thing called negligent homicide, you know. And any doctor or nurse who gave these jabs without listening to those who were opposing them is, in my view, guilty of negligent homicide. It's one thing if you're wrong, like I say, in some mathematical theorem you come up with. It's another thing when you're injecting something into people that could possibly hurt them. And there are people around you, even in hospitals, like some nurses were saying, doctor, I notice a lot more people are getting blood clots since we started vaccines. Sometimes they say, hey, don't talk about that or just keep quiet. And there are nurses coming out being witnesses to such things. And I say that some nurses quit because of that. Some doctors did too. Some, For example, some doctors were giving hydroxychloroquine. They were saving lives, giving at early stages ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. And yet they were fired from hospitals for doing so. No, you're supposed to give remdesivir, put them on a ventilator, even though the death rate was very high. And doctors are then just, okay, boss, I'll do whatever you say. These people are guilty of at least negligent homicide. In any scientific question, you must hear both sides. But once again here, though, just like in election fraud, when voices, even Nobel Prize, for example, the PCR test, you know who, who invented that? A scientist, Nobel laureate named Corey Mullis, who said you may not use this test to diagnose viruses. He said that and he was the inventor of the damn test. And yet, what kind of test were they giving all the world? The PCR test. I won't get into how they tricked humanity with that. But I will say, if the inventor of the PCR test says it may not be used for diagnosing viruses, you get false positives. And then I see governments all over the world and doctors using it. There's something fishy there. You see how easy it is. Fortunately for the evil ones, I'll call them now, Kerry Mullis just happened to die several months before COVID broke out. He died in August of 2019. And COVID started raising its ugly head, I think in December in other countries in America, beginning of January, whatever, right? And if, so a few months before, he just happened to die of pneumonia. I, maybe he was like 73, 74, I think. So he could have died of pneumonia. Maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it wasn't that. I must say... For the ones that were pushing the PCR tests in all the world, it was very convenient that he died. So if I were Lieutenant Colombo, I wouldn't say they murdered him, but I would say, let's investigate more closely his death. Let's have an, an autopsy. Let's dig him up again and see if something else could have been in his I would do that, actually, because it was very convenient for those all over the world pushing a PCR test. It was very convenient that the inventor of the test, who said this cannot be used to diagnose viruses, that he just happened to die a few months before the plan was rolled out, right? 
once again, I'm not saying they murdered him. I'd say now uh, maybe 60% he died just because he was old, had pneumonia. Maybe 70%. But uh, it's it would be worth investigating. But with the vaccine thing, when you see that they are condemning doctors who have a different opinion, even if they have evidence, even the doctors would say, wait a minute, since I've started giving vaccines, all these strange types of cancer that I never saw in 30 years of being a doctor, but I have several patients with this type of cancer, this time I've never seen these types of cancer before, only since the vaccines started, or I'm seeing many more blood clotting cases, and a couple of my patients actually died like a couple of days after the vaccine. If those doctors are then censored, there's a crime going on, no doubt about it. Because those doctors should be heard. This is science. We need debate in science, don't we now? You see the points I'm making here. In the case of the vaccines, exactly as in the case of the election fraud, those who opposed the standard narrative were being censored, they were they're being kicked out of their jobs, they were being threatened. This is a sure sign. I said at the beginning. I said at the beginning, in both cases, I said this is a sure sign that something nefarious is going on. And this was before I had concrete proof that, that for example, election, that there was fraud. I, I knew it before just because <laughs> normally the other side would want to debate with the vaccines as with the fraud. If I'm convinced that there is no fraud in the election 2020, if I'm convinced that these vaccines are good, I'm going to debate with anybody who says the opposite. Because if I believe they're good, I have evidence they're good, and I will out-debate them, and I will prove to everybody that they're wrong and I'm right. Not as an ego thing, but so the people know the truth. And the fact that we didn't see those debates, that we didn't see those debates about election fraud or about the vaccines, that the entire media just demonized those people and censored those people, and these people lost their jobs, some had you know, received threatening phone calls. As a matter of fact, there are two interesting cases, and this is the very beginning of this COVID thing when we didn't know where it came from. Does it come from a lab? Was it natural? Well, there are two scientists, both of them uh, Russian, but living in other countries, I believe. One was living in England, I remember that. And get this, it was said that they were getting close to discovering where this virus really came from. Now, let me tell you, all the evidence I've seen, well, it's a very obvious lab made. It didn't come from bats in a cave, as they were lying to us in the beginning. Second of all, it wasn't necessarily primarily China, but came from a place called Fort Detrick in Maryland in the United States. I won't get into why I say that. But this was a plan among forces worldwide to create this virus. Oh, by the way, another little fact with COVID, as with other types of SARS, I believe the bird flu as well, the, uh, these different types, well, look up David E. Martin, the, the great, one of the greatest patent lawyers in the world for medical patents, for medical patents. And he discovered that a lot of these sicknesses that have cropped up have been patented. All I can say to that is, and this is what he said too, you may not patent something that's in nature. In other words, if you're out and you discover, say, some an insect virus is there, you can't patent that because it's a natural thing. You can only patent something that you created. Ooh, wow, wow. So look it up, look it up for yourself and see how many sicknesses have been patented. And then you'll know that they've been created in some lab somewhere or another. Well, anyway, these two young scientists, they weren't working together separate. But it was said that they were getting close to discovering what's really in these things and where they came from. Unfortunately, you know, life can be cruel sometimes. I guess they had depression. 
because one of them with well, a story goes well somebody noticed that a, a guy in his underwear is falling down out of the fifth floor building and he splashes on the sidewalk and he's dead and then he had like a roommate there was some person visiting him and some friend of his and he told what happened he said yes he came to his bedroom and he acted crazy he said he wanted to kill himself so he took a knife and stabbed himself but that didn't work so he jumped out the window oh really really how many people do you know they want to kill yourself. You take a, a knife and stab yourself in the gut. I mean, if you want to jump out the window, just do it right away, right? But he throws he stabs himself. Oh, no, I'm still alive. I guess I'll jump out the window. Meanwhile, this friend didn't try to stop him, right? Uh, it looks to me like somebody came in there and tried to kill him with a knife, but then he resists and they push him out the window. That's what it looks like to me. And they probably said to the friend, you're going to say that he stabbed himself, jumped out the window, or you're going to be next. Uh, now, am I being a conspiracy theorist there, or am I just being Lieutenant Columbo or Sherlock Holmes? You don't even need a Sherlock Holmes for that, right? But you can say, well, okay, maybe. Maybe he went crazy, and he tried to kill himself with a knife, and that didn't work, so he jumped out the window. It could always be. You would think if you jump out the window, you at least put clothes on, because don't want your body in underwear to be found. I would think so, but, you know, maybe he just went crazy. But then there was this other case. And this was a case with a guy, he was working there at home, or I don't know, he was asleep or working at that time, and a friend comes to visit him. But the friend happened to be happened to go crazy, and he murdered him. He murdered his friend, the scientist that was getting close to the origin of COVID. But then this friend went out in his car, and he shot himself in the head. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I guess that's bad luck for science, isn't it? These two relatively young scientists that were getting behind, and this was the beginning, that, oh, they discovered who COVID was made in the lab, and were getting close to what's really in this, because none of these ingredients aren't being told, right? So, so, but but no, uh, well, the one just had a friend who was a witness to him trying to commit suicide, standing himself jumping on the window, and the other one just happened to have a friend that went crazy and killed him, but then they couldn't interview the friend because he went out and he killed himself in his car, yeah. That sure looks to me like they were murdered, my friends. Oh, call me a, a crazy conspiracy theorist. Uh, but I think any detective in the world would suspect that something was fishy there. Don't you? Especially when you look at what they're working on. <laughs> I mean, really. But there's a case you read about and then nobody talks about it because of thousands of things happening. Right? But you look at it, at, well, I could, I could go on about clear thinking. Why have I said in past podcast episodes that Joseph Biden is not president, never was? I don't mean because there was, there was fraud and so he shouldn't be president. No, that, this goes deeper. And that's more, I explained that in some other episodes. I have to do an episode concentrating only on that. But Biden is not president. And if you're a clear thinker, and you follow the advice of always looking for evidence, no matter where it comes from, and you listen to both sides or all sides, that's so important. The things you can pick up and then put together are amazing, are amazing. I hope that with, with these two examples, I've shown you the folly and the danger of not thinking clearly. Because if you don't think clearly, those who would destroy our republic and, and democracy in general are going to win. Because they can rig any election they want. You can say, well, I, I, okay, but that didn't seem likely if Biden would win. Or what is a one in a quadrillion? Well, you know, even strange coincidences happen. They're going to think like that. And meanwhile, the New World Order people could be stealing one election after another, as they have been doing probably for decades now. Probably for decades now. Remember George W. Bush against Al Gore? 
Now, that wasn't a case nearly as egregious as what happened in 2020. Not nearly, but there were some suspicious things about it. To me, it didn't seem too suspicious, and maybe it wasn't really, but I think those things should be revisited now in the light of what's happened in, in 2020, not to mention 2022, where the economy is worse than it's been in decades and decades, but the Democrats still didn't do too badly. Well, gee, that's not very common, is it? Uh, I will say, though, the danger isn't as big as you might think there, because if we go to the next level, uh, things aren't what they seem to be. If you've listened to me before, you know that. I can't get into that now. We go too deeply. This is only about the clear thinking based on some practical examples here. Uh, let me put this on a short pause. We're going to take a little drink. Just a sec. And now we get to our third and shortest demonstration of clear thinking. This one's much simpler. I saved the simplest for the last. Do you remember a few years ago when Notre Dame Cathedral was burning? Do you remember that? I mean, so many things have happened. Maybe some of you have forgotten that. I have the important things I don't forget. My memory isn't prodigious. Some people have great memories. I, I know a kid from my grade school. I saw my last time 15 years ago. I haven't seen him since. Uh, but nonetheless, 15 years ago, when was that? Uh, da, 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 2000, maybe 2006, seven. I saw him. Uh, maybe even early, I don't know. But we're talking about grade school. It happened 40 years before. If I'm, well, God, am I that old? Yeah, I guess I am. 60s, yeah, it's like 40 years later. We're talking about like third grade class. Oh, remember how the kids remember Mary Jo, whatever, she sat in the first seat and she sat, she could name every kid in every class, first grade, and where they were sitting. Talk about a good memory. <laughs> Talk about a good memory. Now, the guy's a total fool in many respects. I'm sure he's not listening to this. I can say that. I mean, the guy's really messed up. The guy's messed up. But the memory is amazing. I was thinking, oh my God, how could he remember those things? I can. I can't remember exactly where I sat, sat in each class, let alone all the other kids. <laughs> or maybe some girl that I liked, and I remember a few. Oh, well, yeah, she sat in the second row for a seat, but you know, that's because I was trying to look at her as much as I can. And that was every year was a different girl, of course, but I guess that's just me, right? <laughs> you know how little kids are. Well, anyway, uh, what did we hear about Notre Dame? I'm, I'm looking it up here. I want to get the date. Yeah, it was 2019 that I know. I, in April 2019. Remember it caught fire? This went all around the world. Well, there's something there that, once again, if you're a clear thinker, uh, if you're a clear thinker here, okay, what happened? The cathedral caught on fire. Am I going to say, oh, I know who did it? No, I don't know exactly who did it. I don't know that. Oh, they said it was just an accident. However, however, and this would make any detective perk up his or her ears. It's not that the cathedral was burning. Then they put out, they investigated and said, oh, this was an accident. No, no, no. I listened to him saying that in real, in real time. I put in some news or whatever. And they were saying in France, they were saying when it was still burning, when they didn't investigate anything yet, they couldn't even send people in to investigate. They were saying this was not a terrorist act. This was just an accident. Now I ask you. How could they make a statement like that again and again? I heard it different languages, different times. How could they say when the cathedral is still burning before they've investigated anything, oh, this is not a terrorist act. Oh, no, nothing to see there in that direction. Uh, this was an accident. Especially considering the fact, this is what most people don't know, in the year previous to that, that was April 15, 2019, in the one year previous, there had been over 1,000 attacks on churches in France. Yes, by people, right? 
Some were little graffiti on the side of the wall. Others breaking in, stealing golden ornaments or destroying statues or sometimes setting a fire but was put out soon. There were over 1,000 attacks by people on on French churches in the year previous. But then the the most famous church was attacked, and they say even before they investigate, oh, no terrorism here, no, 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 it was just an accident. If that doesn't raise a red flag in your mind, you're a total fool. And don't ever apply to be a, even a even a, a cop on a, you know, a patrol car, let alone a detective, because you would fail every detective test you can imagine. You have to be a total fool. But the very fact that they were saying this immediately means something is fishy. Two possibilities there. Well, maybe more, but at least two. The one is that they thought, oh my God, it's the Muslims again. Because a couple of years before that, a group of four Muslim women in a car were caught outside of Notre Dame with the, with the trunk full of explosives. They wanted to blow up Notre Dame. In other words, Muslims had already tried to destroy Notre Dame. That was one attempt I read about. But they were caught by the police. Somebody informed them or something. So it's not that far-fetched to think that maybe some other Muslim succeeded this time, right? I mean, you know, you don't be a genius to think that far, do you? I mean, just use a little common sense. So why were they saying immediately before they investigate anything, oh, no, no terrorists here, just an accident? Well, maybe you could think because there's so many, probably a few million Muslims in France now, they're afraid of some kind of race war starting. So they lied to the population. But they shouldn't lie to the population. They should have said, we don't know what caused this yet because we haven't investigated. It could have been terrorism of some kind or another. Uh, whether, if you ask me whether it was Muslim terrorism, things are more complex than that in that case. For example, suppose you're a New World Order terrorist. In other words, because of what we've seen now, suppose you want to destroy Western Europe because you want the entire world to go towards the New World Order, where there are no borders, where you and yours control everything. What you would do is you would use certain groups to create havoc in certain countries. And where there are a lot of Muslims, you know a lot of Muslims are fanatics, you just have to infiltrate their groups and say, yes, we're going to destroy Notre Dame. You see how that works. If you look into such psychological operations and, and secret military operations uh, and CIA operations, for example, or KGB operations, today would be FSB, that's the way they work. So we don't know who was behind it. It could have been a Muslim that did it, but really he was maybe doing, in his mind, the work of Allah against Christian because he was a half-crazed, fanatical Muslim, but he was really being manipulated by other forces that weren't religious at all. That could be. I don't know that that's a fact. I'm not saying that was the case because I'm a clear thinker. But you have to take all the, the possibilities that are within, within the practically imaginable I mean, imaginable in a practical sense. This is not far-fetched. This is not far-fetched. I said decades ago in Europe, the fact that we're letting in so many millions of poor people from Africa, I said, this cannot be good for the, con for the, for the continent. This is going to be more crime. It's going to be uh, more financial uh, burden. This is not a good thing. Uh, Merkel alone, the Chancellor of Germany, let in a million immigrants from Syria alone. That's that's the population of Cologne, Germany, that she's letting in. A million poor people from Syria. This cannot be good for the country. But then she wasn't doing things because they're good for the country, because this person was a deep state rat. That's, I won't give my reasons for saying that now. But she was not working for the good of Germany. She's working good, maybe for the good of Europe and for the new world order. I think that's the direction that goes. And then everything becomes clear. In other words, even if something seems like a wild conspiracy theory, if that conspiracy theory 
explains practically all the other phenomenon and the piece if it, it allows you to put all the pieces of the puzzle together that's probably the truth even though it seems strange at the time don't believe me remember all those people writing books about how oh kennedy he wasn't killed by some secret group or whatever he was killed just by one lone nut lee harvey oswald well you see what's coming out in the news now tucker carlson talked about it did an interview with somebody who had CIA connections, said, yep, that's true, CIA, not just any, not like Soviet Union, the CIA was connected to that. This is something I've known for decades because so many good investigators going into it. Uh, I've known almost since I was a child, it wasn't just one lone nut because it was so obvious because I'm a clear thinker. But I've known people, well, now they're changing their tune, but you say, oh no, it was just Lee Harvey Oswald because I read this book. Well, I've read books from both camps and I compared what they're both saying. I put the pieces together for myself and it wasn't, it, I didn't know it was the CIA. I strongly suspected that they were involved though. I mean, you know, you could just think it's a coincidence that a month before he was killed, Kennedy uh, said that uh, he hated the CIA because of the crimes they committed, he knew about it. And he said, he was going to just totally destroy the CIA, totally just wipe them out, you know, not kill them, but, but you know, take down the CIA. And a month later, he's dead. Well, gee, you think there could be a connection there to his death? I mean, just that alone should make you wonder, right? And we put together all the other pieces, the magic bullets, so-called. Uh, I've, got, I've gotten into that in other episodes. I won't do it again. Go back to other episodes look into that but it was so obvious that there's some powerful forces behind it maybe not cia uh although now i think it's highly likely probably uh, probably several groups because of the different groups that didn't like Ken the mafia didn't like kennedy first they supported him and they even committed election fraud in chicago look it up so that he would win easy, uh, well so he would win in illinois right in illinois they they committed election fraud for Kennedy, but then when Kennedy was president, he let his little brother Bobby go after the mafia. And <laughs> they didn't like that. I understand why they didn't like it. What? We were supporting the son of a bitch and we, we cheated for him and now he's going after us? <laughs> well, you see what I mean? There are other groups. J. Edgar Hoover hated the Kennedys too. He was the head of the FBI. Uh, should I go on? A lot of forces in South Vietnam didn't like him because if things happened there, look into it, what happened there. The death of Diem, and well, look into those things. A lot of uh, the exiled Cubans didn't like him because of the Bay of Pigs things. Look at that. There are all these powerful groups. They were connected to the CIA, by the way. And the CIA just absolutely hated this guy because he wanted to do away with their agency. So you see, you don't have to be a genius to get these things. Just think with some common sense, listen to everybody, and put the pieces together. And I'd like to stress that here at the end. So many make the mistake of only listening to the one side. If you like Trump, you only listen to what he says. You don't listen to what the others say. No, listen to Nancy Pelosi. Listen to these people. And then put the pieces together. But if these people, but the election fraud, if they're saying, oh, they say somebody says a fraud, well, he's a traitor. This is the, the most honest election in history. You know that they're lying. Because if they were telling the truth, they would say, oh, you want forensic audits? You want debates? Fine, let's do it. Because we're going to destroy you in that debate. We're going to show that your evidence is worth nothing whatsoever. And we have evidence that the elections were clean. That's what they would say. That's what I would do if I believe the elections were clean. I would be debating for that. But they don't want to debate. No, if you, if you want a forensic audit, but they really get to all the details of the ballots, whether they're genuine, oh, no, you don't want that. Well, that means it was crooked, the election, with 99% certainty. 
and you don't have to be a genius. But of course, if you're brainwashed, if you hated Trump so much that you don't care how he lost as long as he lost, then you don't want any forensic audits. Even if you suspect less than fraud, you just think, no, no, there was no fraud because I, I want Biden to be who wants who really wants Biden to be president? Did you ever see the masses cheering Biden? And you really think that he would win just because so many people hated Trump before and I saw a lot of people but a lot of people hate him. A lot of people loved him though too. <laughs> and the country was in pretty good condition economically compared to what it is now. So but we're still supposed to believe that the twenty twenty two election was oh no fraud there really and Democrats lost a little bit, but they didn't lose. Oh my God, that's hardly anything compared to what they normally would have lost if the elections were fair. My friends, to sum up here, use your common sense. And your common sense should not be, for example, this candidate is a born-again Christian and I am too, therefore he's the good guy. That is not common sense because there have been born-again Christians who pretended to be and they're really rats. No, look at what people actually do. Look at what they say and what they actually do and look at the, the evidence, put it all together. But in any case, if one side is always evading a debate, if the other side is saying, look, we have evidence, listen to us, and the other side doesn't want to even listen to them, almost certainly that side that doesn't want to listen, they're the ones that are up to no good. You see what I mean? So this has been a little course, a lesson, shall we say, in clear thinking. Listen to everybody, but then know how to come up with counter evidence. If you have no counter evidence, maybe the other side is right. They aren't right on the election fraud issue. They aren't right on the vaccine issue. They aren't right on the, remember at the beginning of COVID, they were saying, oh, two and a half percent of the people could die of COVID. Well, that wasn't the case. I did my own research, that is my own calculations based on percentages of COVID deaths and population of countries, they were saying at the beginning, I remember reading that, it could be the 2.5% of us die of COVID. I, I myself was scared. After a few months, I looked up, but just by numbers, how many had died of COVID like in six months? And, and it was 0.0018% of population, like a thousand times fewer than what they were saying. I thought, well, there's no problem here. It's just maybe a little worse than seasonal flu. A seasonal flu that totally disappeared. That COVID must be magic. It eradicated seasonal flu. No, what they're doing is if you have seasonal flu, they say it's COVID. I've talked about that before too. The lies are just so egregious and so tremendous and so brazen-faced is all you can say. And so many fools just believe those lies because I read it in the New York Times and they say it on CNN. Well, gee, maybe you should look at other news sources and above all, collect evidence from any source you have, listen to both sides and put the piece together. Learn to be at least a little detective. You know what I mean? Don't have to be a, a Sherlock Holmes. Don't have to be a Lieutenant Columbo even. Don't have to be a Kojak even. Well, pick your favorite detective. I'm old school here. <laughs> Whoever the newest detective on TV, you don't have to be somebody like that. Just think a little bit like a detective. You know what I mean? Try to think a bit objectively. Forget your prejudices, whether you like or hate Trump. Just look at the things that happened. Piece things together and learn to think more clearly. So, hoping that you've enjoyed this romp through the area of clear thinking and how to detect when something is fishy. I will wish you a good day. And depending on when I put this up, I, uh, well, I put it up before New Year's. I'm not sure. It's around New Year's when I'll put this up, uh, maybe a little after, I suspect, because this isn't time sensitive. 
So I wish you in any case a happy 2023. Uh, I'm going to be making some predictions there. 2023 is going to be a really big year. At the end of 2020, somebody put up on Facebook, a Facebook friend of mine, oh, it's a difficult year. Let's look forward to good 2021. I said, if you, 2020, think that was bad, wait till 2021. And then I said, same in 2022, I'm saying the same in 2023. Big things on the horizon, my friends, big things. Some of the things we probably, even I can't imagine now, possibly. Big, big things are going to happen and going into 2024 as well. Uh, I can only say, uh, brace yourself. And don't accept just what you hear on TV. Research things with an open mind. And don't naively accept what others, no matter who, CNN, Fox News, what others want you to believe. Think it through. Look for evidence. Listen to people. If they oppose you, deal with the opposition. Don't evade debates. You might learn something from the debate. Maybe the other side's right. In some, or not, in, not in these issues, but in other issues, maybe they're right. Listen to them. And then you'll become a better thinker. <coughs> oh. Talking too much here, I need a drink. So with that, I'm going to end. Have as good a 2023 as you possibly can. And stay awake. Till the next time. Thank you for following me on this The Path of Socrates. And goodbye for now. <laughs>